Please turn in your Bible to James chapter 3. James chapter 3. And we're going to be reading, uh, starting in verse 5, the second half. That's where Brad Vatdorf left off a couple weeks ago. And we'll be reading through verse 12. James chapter 3 and verse 5. Second part says, So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Before we uh, start our way through the text, let's go ahead and ask God's help to understand it tonight. Our Father, we cry out for wisdom to understand your word tonight. This is a well-known passage. This is a very convicting passage and challenging for us to apply in the right way and be transformed by it. And so we ask for your Holy Spirit's help for us to know the truth, hear the truth, and respond to the truth. And we ask that you would give me wisdom to speak your word with clarity, um, with care, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I grew up in the state of Oregon, which is very far to the west in the United States, northwest actually. And uh, James starts out uh, in the second half of verse 5 and says, And the tongue is a fire. Well, in the state of Oregon, uh, wildfires were very common. In fact, in the year 2002, that that year will always stick out in my memory because um, there was a fire that started in the month of July um, called the Biscuit Fire, and it ended up burning on and on up until December 31st of that same year. Um, It was memorable to me because every time I listened to the news, the fire had not stopped. It kept going. It kept destroying. It ended up burning over 500,000 acres of woods. Uh, Nobody was killed, but several homes and thousands of people had to uh, evacuate. And uh, if if you're not sure how big 500,000 acres is, I looked it up. And in square miles, it's the size of Greenville County, almost to the exact square mile. Uh, So if you can imagine Greenville County being completely burned by fire. Um, so fire is something that is very personal to me, very poignant in my memory. And James starts out saying that our tongue is a fire. 
And he says, it is a world of unrighteousness. And James, uh, like he has been doing in this book, he does not pull any punches. He is showing us just how dreadfully sinful we are. A world of unrighteousness. If you've been uh, alive on this earth for any amount of time, you know what it means to be on the receiving end of someone's sharp and careless tongue. You know how deep those wounds can go. Uh, If you've spent any time on this earth, you have also been the one to say sharp and careless things to people who probably remember some of those things that you have said. And so we know what it means for the tongue to be a fire. But this world of unrighteousness, it's interesting that James says this. Um, One author said, um, this, this was helpful for me to understand what he's trying to get across here, but the tongue becomes the conduit by which all the evil of the world around us comes to expression in us. So we probably try our best to... Uh, remove ourselves from the harms and from the evils of this world, but our tongue will continually betray us and show us just how much the world has seeped into us. And James will call out the believers in this uh, uh, that he's talking to in this next section, um, after this section, about their worldliness, but he's setting the stage for that. He's showing that, oh, you can't hide from how much the world affects you. Um, and so it was interesting to uh, see that. And this, this mirrors uh, what Jesus said in Matthew 15, where he said in verse 11, It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a person. So no, mem- no other member of the body perhaps wreaks so much havoc on the godly life as the tongue. In fact, I can clearly remember a teacher in college I was having a rough semester. It was my fault that I was failing this course, but I was failing the course. And at the end of the course, I ended up not being able to do the final project. And the teacher said to me, I knew you would fail. I knew it. I still remember that. It still stabs very deeply. Um, He goes on uh, to say that the tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body. Um, I was trying to be very careful this afternoon. I was wearing this outfit the entire day, and we were eating tacos for lunch, as we normally do on Sundays. And I was trying not to stain this shirt. This is one of my nicest shirts, whether you agree with me or not. Um, (laughs) It's interesting here that... uh, that he mentions the fact that we end up staining the entire body. Uh, back in chapter 1, verse 26, James said, If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. So, Actually, I encourage you this next week, after we've talked about the tongue, go through James again and see how often James actually brings up what we say and how much the tongue affects us. It's not just this little passage that we're reading tonight. It's actually all over the book. And uh, by corrupting or staining the whole person, the tongue destroys true religion. And it ends up showing us just how much we are stained by the world. 
As uh, Sinclair Ferguson said, this really stuck with me, no matter what graces you may have developed, if you have not gained tongue mastery, you can besmirch them all by an unguarded and ill-disciplined comment. James goes on and says that this tongue is setting on fire the entire course of life. And you know this, uh, we know this to be true in that uh, no matter, the longer we live, uh, the more we see how much the tongue destroys. It just continues on. It's like that biscuit fire, but the biscuit fire went out after many months. Our tongues continue on to be devastating instruments um, against us and toward others. Um, These past two years, it's now been about two years since the start of covid And uh, if anything, uh, it's amazing how many uh, medical experts have popped out and uh, um, experts on a virus, um, people people that are experts on politics, people that are experts on the economy. I know exactly what's causing the gas prices to go up. Uh, Maybe I'm stabbing too close to home. Um, But the point is, it's, it's incredible to see how much of a novice we still are in our loving kindness toward each other. I have no doubt that one of the purposes of COVID, amongst many things, is God is wanting us to see what is really stewing in our hearts. And unfortunately, it is not God's word many times to our shame. It is not because... As James, it's going to come out. So it's, whatever is dwelling there, whatever is doing there, it is going to come out. In fact, a friend told me, this was a year and a half or so ago, so soon after COVID, but um, uh, Brad Batdorf mentioned a couple weeks ago that we have the potential to cause harm for many generations with what we say online. And one of my friends uh, was on the receiving end of a comment from another Christian who basically, you know, said that they had never been so ashamed of uh, such a person in their lives about something or other. But that, but that, and that person forgave that person and moved on. But think, think of the, think of what that actually can do for us. That can remind us just of how, how much we can affect other people with our words in our day and age. Um, so it affects our whole life. Uh, it corrupts our whole person. It wreaks havoc. Um, and I'm not exempt from this. Uh, I'm not standing up here proclaiming that I'm perfect in this. In fact, just a few weeks ago, um, my wife Kelly reminded me that I needed a haircut. Probably need one again. But um, she had reminded me, and I had procrastinated, as I usually do. usually wait until the last minute when it's finally... Too much to handle, too much to gel up, and gravity overtakes it. But um, I waited until Sunday, and it was a busy Sunday. And uh, so she asked me, you know, when are you going to do this today? And, you know, I was just like, I had I'd spent so much time procrastinating and everything that I just decided to lay into her about this and go, well, you know, we don't have time after the morning service, we don't have time after family lunch, and we don't have time before the evening service. So when am I going to do this? And I trapped her with my words. And it took me a while, but I came back to her and I said, I used 
my words as weapons against you. And I know all you did was care. All you did was show care about, you know, something simple in my life. And yet I, I use that against her. We can harm others so easily with our words. In fact, James says the situation is, is worse because those words, our tongue, is set on fire by hell. Where does this enormously destruction, destructive potential come from? From hell. The power of Satan himself. Think back to the, to the original sin. Uh, the devil tempted Adam and Eve with his words. He was a liar. And what were some of the first things that they committed against each other? Sins of the tongue. Adam uh, blaming God for making Eve. And then blaming Eve. Blaming the serpent. Um, It's quickly spread to their children. Sins of the tongue are, are something that we inherit from our old father, the devil. And uh, we still have part of his traits in us. Do you struggle with that tonight like I do? You hate that struggle? The fact that we still have part of the old man with us? Annette Pate just recently read through Revelation, and it was, Even so, Lord, come quickly. I hope we are looking forward to the day that Jesus will return and set all things right and cleanse us of these wicked tongues we have. But James continues on, and he doesn't, uh, he's not exhaustive in the ways in which we can destroy each other, but um, we have read in 1 Peter about uh, lying and deceitfulness and envy and gossiping. If you look through, if you read through the Proverbs at all, you know that the Proverbs often talk about the destructive nature of the tongue in many ways, and we know that... uh, that uh, it's not true that sticks and stones break bones and words never hurt. It's actually the, op- it's the opposite. It's that we can heal from sticks and stones way quicker than we can with words. So uh, this transforming of the tongue starts out by James telling us the destructive nature of the tongue. Next, he moves on into verses 7 and 8 about the untamable nature of the tongue. And we need to hear this tonight. He starts in verse 7 by saying, For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. I didn't pick up on this initially, but James is referring back to the creation. Uh, Back in Genesis, uh, God describes his creation in these ways with these list of creatures. Not necessarily in this order, but it's going back to that creation mandate. That ability that God gave man to be able to subdue creation, which was a good thing. But it's also setting up the stage for the fact that God made man in his image. And yet with all that power, with all that ability to subdue creation, what about the tongue? Well, before we go into the tongue, I did want to give a personal example of this creation mandate. Again, growing up in Oregon, uh, I watched the movie Free Willy, and um, the whale named Keiko that played the Free Willy, he ended up at the Oregon Coast Aquarium. So when I was a little kid, it was just the coolest thing to go see Keiko because I was like, a whale in a big tank that I can go see at any time. This is crazy. 
If you've ever been to any kind of zoo or owned any pets, you know the power that people can have to subdue animals. But the tongue, the tongue, the small thing, James says, but no human being can tame the tongue. That's a, it's quite the statement. But if you, but if you, if you're here tonight and you, and you have said anything or heard anything wrong by the tongue, you know exactly that James is right. No matter how much you try to keep your mouth shut, that tongue will come out. And it will say what your heart is truly thinking. And I'm not just talking about people that are talkative. Whether you're talkative, whether you're someone who rarely talks, you will reveal what is in your heart. And this this verse reminded me a lot about Jeremiah and his talk about the heart in Jeremiah 17, 9, where he says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I think James is trying to get across the same point. So that no matter what you do in your own strength, there's no way you can deal with this. There's no way you can tackle the tongue. It's not going to happen. You cannot change your nature all by yourself. You cannot just try to not say wrong things. So if that's kind of your takeaway, James is not saying, well, just stop talking, right? Just don't say anything ever again. It's not going to work. It's not going to help. You're going to start saying things at some point. So James says we can't tame the tongue. So what's so that's that's terrible if we cannot tame it. But James continues. He says it is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Now that word restless translates the same way that the word double or the way uh, unstable translated back in uh, verse 8 of chapter 1 where he talked about the double-minded man unstable in all his ways. So this tongue is unstable. It's full of deadly poison. Poison that kills sometimes instantly and poison that kills over time. And he brings his critique of the tongue to this conclusion, to this doubleness, this unstable instability uh, that he frequently fights against in God's people throughout this letter. And he, he, again, doesn't pull any punches. He says, with it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. I mean, James could be no stronger in his contrast here, right? We have spent significant time this morning and this evening blessing the Lord, blessing God's name, praising his name. And James is saying, you're doing all this, but you're also cursing people who are made in the image of God at the same time. And if you have no problem with that, James is saying, there's something wrong. Those two things do not go together. Now, this word cursing, I think it means stronger than I think we realize. This is not just you're besmirching their name. The cursing in, in biblical times was a sense of wanting God to judge people eternally, almost like setting them apart for destruction for hell and going, I, I want nothing to do with this person. I want condemnation and judgment brought on these people. And in essence, that's what we do when we are careless with our tongue with people, because we reveal what we truly think, not only of them, but who our father is. 
James brings in this personal nature of God as our Lord and Father. We claim that we know this God, that we love him, that he loves us. Stephen spent significant time this morning reminding us of our identity. Wasn't that an encouragement to you all like it was to me? To be reminded of who we are in Christ, that we are God's children. But it should also be a warning and a, a moment of stark realization to realize that we don't align ourselves with that identity if we're on the sidelines during the week, right after the service, maybe right before the service, treating God's children and his, our fellow image bearers like they're worthless. That's something that we need to really think about, really be careful about, because James is saying that we tend to do both. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 37, for by your words, you will be justified and by your words, you will be condemned. It was important to Jesus what we say. In fact, it was good for me to hear from one commentary where it said words are works like their actions we often think of words and works as two different things but when you say something to someone you are actually doing something you're actually committing to them in one way or another and james here says that our mouth our tongue is a barometer of our spirituality he uses these next analogies. Spring. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. I mean, each point really shows how absurd it is for this thing to produce a completely different thing. That's, that's James's point. And I think we're familiar enough with those analogies to get the point. But do we really get the point? Again, this is, I think this is a very familiar passage. I was just letting someone know this afternoon uh, what chapter and basically what section this was coming from, and this person could just almost name off exactly what this passage was about. And this was a very familiar to me, too. But the danger in familiar passages is that we walk in, walk out unchanged. And the problem is still there. I think the temptation is for us to go, okay, well, <laughs> I'm officially afraid of what I say. Now I'm not going to say anything. That's not James's point. We need to continue to bless and praise God, but we also need to bless and praise the things that he calls good, the things that he makes that are in his image. My mom has been struggling with chronic lymphocytic leukemia since spring of 2011. So 11 years. And she just recently started treatments. Two kinds. One is a set of infusions that she goes in uh, once in a while. Started out regularly, but now it's about once a month. Once a month. <laughs> where the infusion, what the infusion does is it basically cleans out her blood. Her current blood going through her system, right? It wipes out the cancer cells in her blood. And she told me recently, Ryan, I mean, I could, they could take my blood and use it for donations. Like, that's how clean it is. It's, it's pure blood now, right? But that would be analogous to us just cleaning up our speech, right? 
She said the problem still lies in the bone marrow, where the leukemia cells are still, those cancerous cells are still being made. Those infusions would not be enough to just do away with the blood that's in her body and just clean that up. She must have her bone marrow cleaned, the core of her bones, where that, those blood cells are made. The same thing must go on with us. We must have our hearts purified. Because Jesus said in the same passage that he mentions what defiles a person, he said, but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. The tongue is the consequence, not the source. The source is our unrepentant, wayward, worldly hearts. So if I could encourage us tonight, it would be in... A few ways. Number one is to repent. When was the last time you not only repented of the sins of your actions, but the sins of your mouth? Uh, That means that if it were against other people, uh, James, this is at the end of James, but it may be that you need to go confess your sins to one another and pray that you may be healed. This is serious. James is serious. Have you sensed that from this passage? He, he's not cutting corners. He's not going, okay, well, your, your works are one thing, and words, well, we can kind of brush past those. These words, these, these f- words that are filled with fire, scorching fire, the fires of hell, they must be dealt with. And you can't tame your own tongue. So what are you going to do? Well, We need to look at the one who had a perfect tongue. Can you imagine being with Jesus and never hearing a harmful word? Matthew connected Jesus back to Isaiah 42 when he said in Matthew 12, He will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break. And a smoldering wick he will not quench. Many of us are bruised reeds. Many of us with our words, we create bruised reeds. We break reeds. But our Savior, he did not, he did not break reeds that were bruised. Jesus was one who asked the Lord to give him the right tongue. Back in Isaiah 50, this passage came alive to me through studying this just recently. The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught, that I may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. My final encouragement would to be continue in the word. Jesus is the word. He not only was a perfect example for us in the way he spoke, but he left us a passage that I think and I hope uh, 
will have a fresh meaning to you now that we've talked about the tongue. Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. The way we transform our tongues is not by taming them. We cannot. But we can be transformed by God's word. We can allow God's word to so deeply indwell within us that his words become our words. That when we look at those around us and see bruised reeds, we do not break them with our words. We help to heal them. We help to comfort them. Let's pray. Our Father, we ask help tonight in applying your word. You say in your word, if we confess our sins, you are faithful. He is faithful to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, to cleanse us even from the fires that we create, to create in others through our careless speech. And our careless speech, our scorching, deadly speech, just reveals how little of your word really seeps into our hearts. And so we ask you tonight that as we grow in wanting to be a word-centered church, that our hearts as your people would be word-centered, would be filled with your words, and that your words be the, would be the ones that we speak to others, words of comfort, of truth, of love, of encouragement, Transform our hearts tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.